0: I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Creative Guts.
1: Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts.
0: On today's episode, we're talking with multidisciplinary artist, Lindsay Hall.
1: She is so amazing. So we're just going to jump right on into this episode of Creative Guts with Lindsay Hall. (laughs) Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. We're really excited to talk to you.
0: Your work is really beautiful.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you guys, too.
0: (laughs) I don't really remember how I found you. It must have been through the... tiny art exchange so was this past year your first year doing the tiny art exchange yes yeah how did you hear about us i someone shared it
2: on
1: instagram i
2: think it may have been kelly stuke oh maybe? yes oh
1: yeah. cool <laughs> that's awesome oh that's so great another wonderful former guest <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're a fan we like all our former guests yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> So for listeners that don't know anything about you, will you introduce yourself and what you do as a creative? My name is Lindsay Hall, and I am from Massachusetts. I
2: have been creating since I was really little and have been working in every medium imaginable. I have never been able to just pick one that I fall in love with. I kind of bounce back and forth, and I think I found my thing, and then I see something else, and I'm like, oh, got to try that. And uh, yeah, so I... Primarily do a lot of figurative portraiture work, but I have also done abstract work and then the figures are not necessarily human. They sometimes are, sometimes are animals and a whole plethora of mediums, charcoal, graphite, acrylic paint, embroidery, all over the place. That's that's usually my catchphrase. I'm all over the place.
1: I love that and I have to say, I don't know if you're familiar with my work at all, but I literally say very similar things that you're saying right now. Like I'm an interdisciplinary artist that works with the figure that sort of does it all. And I always say, it's because I can't decide. It's a fancy word for saying, I can't decide. I love it all.
2: (laughs) I'm just indecisive. You guys asked me to send you a picture for this and I sent you three and I wrote in the email, I can't decide.
1: (laughs) We like options. So that's, that's a okay. And we may use them all. Who knows? Who knows? So you talked about being a creative your whole life. Do you recall what that initial spark or perhaps uh, what had influenced you as a kid that kind of launched you into being, I'm going to be a professional maker?
2: Honestly, nothing concretely specific, not a certain event that I could point to. My... Family has always been a very creative family, not necessarily career-wise. My dad was a mortgage banker and my mom was an occupational therapist, but my mom is also one of the most creative idea people I have ever met. She just has all of these ideas. She doesn't necessarily execute them all, but she's like boiling over with them. And then my dad, he used to sometimes on the weekends sit outside with me and do oil paintings. And I primarily was just sitting there watching him. And I, I don't know if he gave me oil paint or maybe just acrylic paint to like dabble like my mm. hands in maybe I was doing some tempera something safe for me to get all over myself but he was painting these landscapes and he's not really a painter and he doesn't do it anymore but I was kind of always around creative energy even if it was just you know here and there
1: that is awesome that like spark from when you're first young and just yep. being immersed in it all like yep. that's really nice cuz some people don't have that and i also like growing up watching i watched
2: The Food Network and HGTV, those were my top two channels, not like Disney Channel or anything (laughs) Cartoon Network. I was very interested in watching the designers or the, you know, the bakers making stuff. And I just, I love the idea of using your hands and producing something. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your portfolio on your website, you have sort of a a space dedicated to public art. Will you talk a little bit about like your experience getting out and doing some public art stuff?
2: Yes. So the public art is still new. There isn't too much in that section. I actually, I need to update my website because there is an additional piece that I did a couple of months ago in Haverhill that I have to add to it. But I was offered an opportunity to do public art in the town of Haverhill back in, I think it was like very late 2020, December of 2020. And it's the middle of winter. And I'm like, what, what you want me to do public art right now? What's going on? (laughs) And I was very like intrigued by it because it's never something that I actually saw myself doing. I did go to school in Richmond, Virginia, and there were murals everywhere. And I always Was obsessed with them, and I'm like, someday I'm gonna come back to Richmond and do a mural. So that's on the bucket list, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just approached; wasn't applying. Um, was approached by someone in from my past that I knew, probably hadn't talked to in five or ten years, and they were like, "Hey, I am part of this park association. We have some electrical boxes we've always wanted to have painted. Are you interested?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool. I've seen like painted electrical boxes. I'm totally down." Um, it's December. What's the plan? And she said, this is something that we will do in the spring. Like we have a few months to talk about it. And I was like, great, because I'm nervous. So I need some time. (laughs) And I was able to work with the committee there and come up. They had designs in mind and was able to flesh out some ideas. And then I think it was May of 2021. I was out in Haverhill starting to paint this project. And I was there for a couple of weeks. There were three boxes in total in a little park in Gale Park in Haverhill, Mass. And they came out really Nice. It was a really fun experience, very different from being alone in <laughs> one, just being alone as an artist, but two, coming out of the pandemic, it mm-hmm. was like all right, you're going to be, like, doing art again with people, but you're, like, really out in public. Yeah. I have never been one to, like, someone watching me do art. Like, I have had a lot of, I don't think I've ever done, like, a live stream on Instagram, because even that is, too, like, watching over my (laughs) shoulder. (laughs) But art teachers, like, when they would come over my shoulder at school, I was always, like, pausing. I'm, like, don't, don't can you walk away? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Ugh. But this, I was working at a major intersection. So there were people stopping all the time and people honking, yelling out their cars. <laughs> it was very sweet. And it was a great experience. Luckily, it was all positive reactions. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is yeah. the risk of being so visible in public. But that spawned another opportunity also in Haverhill, Actually, all three are in Haverhill, Mass., which is not not like a place that I ever really visited growing up in Massachusetts, even though I'm from the North Shore and it's very close. But all of a sudden, everything was Haverhill, 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 um, which is great. And I love it there. So now I have three separate murals, three of which I have worked with team Haverhill on so they have done like prep work for me to help get the surfaces all ready to go and paint which is huge because that's one thing with public art I'm very unfamiliar painting metal and getting it primed correctly doing all that sanding it's kind of very foreign to me and I was very fortunate to have another organization that's ready on board to help make the public art happen
0: yeah yeah I know we've talked on the show a few times with people about sort of the discomfort with sharing their like works in progress. Like I don't do that. I only share finished products. And so I always think about that when I see muralists doing their thing out in public. People are like seeing art at all of its like ugly stages before it's done. And like how nervous I think that that like makes some people or how nervous that would make me.
2: Yes, for sure. I tried it in my head figure out what's going to look good when I leave today. Like, what can I accomplish that's going to look the best? Like, that's going <laughs> to look the least worst. There was one day, this most recent public art I did was a, it's about like an eight foot by five foot mural. It's wooden doors, one of which is slightly ajar, and there's a garden path. I did the interior, the garden path, first and then was doing the doors after the fact and one day was just painting the brown of the doors. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get the brown painted and probably not any of the like wood texture or the hinges. And I'm just like painting this awful brown and just I'm like, I, I really hope that people, you know, they recognize that this is not done, that these will be cohesive doors in the end, and then I'm not just setting it and forgetting it and never coming back. Um, So, and there were a few people that would come by like every few days and be like, oh, you're not done yet? And I'm like, no. Like, why did you think it looked done?
0: Wow. It's taking you a long time. (laughs) I've been here for a week, sir. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think folks that aren't immersed in making art, you know, Mm -hmm. just don't have a concept of how much it takes to put into all of it. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time. Especially when you're talking about, you usually work on a, you know, a two by two foot painting or Mm -hmm. smaller usually, and now you're going to eight feet, 10 feet, 20 feet, whatever it may be. It's a different way of thinking of it. You have to step back a lot and look Mm -hmm. at, you know, it's a lot. (laughs) Yes. So I wanted to talk to you about mediums as another interdisciplinary artist sometimes people like this one right here will be like what's your favorite no what's your favorite you've asked me that a few times what's your favorite All right so it sucks but I'm going to do it to you kind of what are like the like primary three or four medium so I'm not going to make you narrow it down to one because it's like parents like picking their favorite kid but like what are the mediums that you enjoy most working with or that you're always going to go back to because they're like a safe haven okay this is
2: definitely hard because you said three or four and I immediately (laughs) thought of five um I will start with graphite pencil, just straight up, very classic. One of the first mediums that, I mean, like everyone uses pencil, whether or not they're an artist, just to write. So very basic material. I love that about it. It's extremely accessible. And to have found like how I can use it to produce art makes me feel really safe because I can make art in really any situation. I'm going to have access to a pencil, which is awesome. And let's see, to be more colorful, I will say acrylic paint. I feel like I am the type of person that produces art that should be done in oil paint, but I have (laughs) never, I have never been like, Other than maybe when I was with my dad as a kid and he was using oil paint, I was never really exposed to it. You know, we had it as an option in my painting classes in school, but I just went acrylic because I'm like, well, you know, I can come to the studio to work, but a lot of the time I'm probably going to be working in my dorm. And the oil paints are going to smell. And they're also just like more hazardous to have in my dorm. And I'm not going to be able to dispose of the oil properly. And I was just like, that's too much of a hassle. I know how acrylics work. Let's just go with that. And I've made it work. So even though a lot of I love to blend, I'm a very blendy, like stop drying so quickly kind of person. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for being an acrylic painter. But I, I found a way to
1: make them work for me. And I love them. Do you think you'll ever want to dive into oils just out of personal curiosity? Oh, probably. It's it's something
2: that I have said for years like, oh, I'm yeah. going to I'm going to try. Like why not? I'm going to try. And I think I think I'm still so intimidated by like the disposal process mm-hmm. of the paint and stuff. So maybe maybe that's something I go to like an art center and work like, with people that know how to use it. And I kind of kick myself. I'm like, I could have done that in school. That would have been a great opportunity to learn. But
1: It's very expensive, too. It's the most expensive kind of paint as well. So that's another, you know, challenge. Yeah, just everything going for it. (laughs) But, but, you know, physics-wise, it really, like, captures light differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of different techniques that you can do with it. I like oils over acrylics, so...
2: Many people do. Yes. I won't hold it against
1: you. (laughs) So I have a newer medium,
2: which is embroidery. So it's not something that I can like say has always been a thing and I'm always going to go back to it, but it has become a passion of mine and it's something that I really want to continue. So if I had to give that up, it would definitely be a medium that would hurt to
1: give up. Yeah. Lindsay, beautiful work. Thank you. I love your, I mean, I love all your work, but your stitching figures, like the embroidery that you do, for folks that may have not seen it, like the piece that I received, which was called, I believe, The Experiment was the title of yes. it. Yes. And it was a woman outlined, minimalistic, in a very beautiful pose. And it was all thread woven into a piece of paper. And then the background is painted. Yes, it's watercolor. Watercolor? Okay. I was like, this could be a print. It just looks like a pattern. It almost looks like a stamp or something. It was just so immaculate. It was beautiful. And I was like, oh. So. It was a successful experiment. <laughs> it was. Because after that one, you went on to make more. Yes. Yes. So it
2: really, I mean, I named it that because quite literally I was trying something very new, working smaller. It was a series that I had in my head for a really long time, but hadn't had the motivation or like the reason like personally to do it. And the Tiny Art Exchange really just triggered that. And I was very thankful for it because... I did make more and it's something that I want to continue doing a lot of. And they're also, I love the size of them. Yes. I think in college we were told so much, like make, big art, which was great. And I love big art. It's great to look at, fills up a wall very nicely, but it's, it's a lot to store. (laughs) Like that's one thing I just moved and I'm like, wow, (laughs) I need to make more small art because moving all this big art is a lot (laughs) and it just takes up a lot of space. And, you know, I have some that I love, but it's so much more manageable for me to make a lot of small art versus... Mm -hmm. And I would much rather make a lot of the smaller stuff than just one or two of the bigger things I think yeah Mm -hmm.
1: I think what I am so drawn to them is I really love like a balance of minimalism and high detail so I'm like in particular looking at your Sappho's garden Mm -hmm. that you made for pride month and so you have two figures that are very they're just outlines they're minimal line stitchings and then this gorgeous array of rainbow flowers behind that just looks so like I know the size that you're working in and it doesn't seem possible that you could paint such tiny fine little lines like you must be Using like a one hair, yeah, brush <laughs> to be accomplishing this. Like I'm trying to dissect it in my head, and it's like, holy smokes, this is amazing.
2: Thank you. I think the really exciting thing with doing the minimalist figures is that the figures and the people, their faces. You know, that's usually when you are creating a figure portrait mm-hmm. or something. Yep. That's where all the attention goes. So that's where you put in the work, put in the detail. And to kind of flip it on its head and just give more, like it's almost like
1: focusing on the aura of the yes, individual. Yeah. I mean, they're very, they're striking, high contrast. And I feel like even if you're thinking of it in that sense where you're like looking at the aura and it's like what's around them, it's still, there's such like a peaceful, tranquil tone to the figures that I'm just very enamored with them as I keep going on and on. Lovely stuff.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I love that.
1: Peaceful, <laughs> tranquil. I feel like- yeah. Uh,
2: that's that's what I need when I look at art I think a lot of the time because my head otherwise is not so that is when art needs to be kind of a like a reprise from everything else yeah
1: yeah
0: I think we allowed you what one more medium maybe um (laughs) (laughs) let's see I feel like mediums would make a really good like for you know interdisciplinary multidisciplinary artists a really good game of like Mary kill oh yeah what's the medium that you would kill oh Oh, man actually i'm gonna throw this question to both of you
1: for just me not for the world right it's it's not like hey get rid of all of this yeah Yeah. um (laughs) that i work in i guess because like i don't do collaging really yeah that's true so i'd say kill you know that would be cheating to like yeah well i don't know maybe it wouldn't be one you've worked on that you like didn't (laughs) like Mm. I guess I would say not to offend you, but acrylic
0: That's okay. (laughs) in that it
1: just, I, I used to use acrylic in college a lot and it took a while. Like it was after college that I started working in oils, but I think it was that I got used to oils not drying so fast. So then acrylic seemed to dry way too fast. And I know there's like mediums and extenders and things like that, but it never felt quite the same. I like acrylic and I do use it occasionally, but I guess (laughs) if I had to kill one, it would be acrylic. What would you kill? So I'm going to
2: make it even harder on myself because I'm not going <laughs> to choose an, any additional mediums that I haven't mentioned. I'm going to go with the three that I've said. Oh. Ooh. So what was, that was graphite, embroidery, and acrylic. acrylics. So I think I would marry graphite. I would... Embroidery, and I would kill acrylic as well. Whoa!
0: Hey. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, are there any mediums that you just have no interest in, or that you've maybe tried before that you're like, I'm never going to do that again?
2: I, I want to give everything a chance, even if I've tried it and haven't liked it. But I love it. you know, I I did encaustic once mm-hmm. in college. wasn't the biggest fan. You know, I only did it like for a day, yeah. so. I could probably get into it. I could get into anything if you give me enough time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And so now, with your um, stitching, you're doing faces.
2: Yes. So that actually was born out of talks with another artist who you have had on the podcast, Ryan Kelly. We love Ryan yes, Kelly. Everyone wall. loves Ryan Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so he had done, I believe, it was like a take on a Picasso contour drawing that he used steel wire to shape, and he it was like a three by four foot or something like that, and it's hanging in a restaurant in Newburyport, and. I you know was in talks with him about it and he's like hey this could really be a series that we could do other ones and so he texted me this I was in the airport and I was like I got some time to kill and I just started sketching and on my iPad I I ended up doing multiple versions I was like it could go really kind of abstracted more like the Picasso one or we could do more continuous line like this and that's where that portrait was born out of and so I started doing these like close-up you know you have the face but it's still kind of abstracted because it's that continuous or faux continuous it's Mm. you have to go over the line technically to like make it work (laughs) yes nothing nothing floating or anything like that so kind of happy accident born out of another's idea our collaboration has not actually happened yet it's still on the books though
1: so ryan this is your call to get your butt in gear (laughs) he's too busy yes he is busy busy. (laughs) were you at the byfield hay barn event last year yes Yes. me too I i was just there visiting oh Yeah. Well, then maybe I said hi to you. I was there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Probably. I think I I walked around the whole thing. Man, I spent too much money that day. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's how I met Kelly Shook as well. Yes. She's great. Yeah, she's so cool.
0: <laughs> yes, I met her through Ryan, of course. So He's such a good connector.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. He's referred many people to us, actually. Yeah. So oh, I'm that. sure. Yeah. I love that. He's, He's coming, referred Ryan. me to
0: everyone, so. <laughs> Can I say, as a follower of your Instagram, not that this is a, an art form, although it definitely is an art form in its own way, you're a great reel maker or oh, maybe really? a TikTok maker.
1: <laughs> hey, really? <But> uh-huh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I...
1: Didn't realize that. Thank you. <laughs> it is an art form. And it also, it's like hard to keep producing content when you're an artist or a maker or creative in general. And then you want to like, you know, make love to the algorithm in a way to try to <laughs> get to be seen. So it takes a lot of energy to do that. And you do it really well. You do finish pieces you do your reels we see in progress works like you have a nice balance with that is it stressful is it a pain in the ass oh, is it easy peasy so yeah. stressful such yeah. a pain in the
2: ass definitely not easy peasy I I think like a part of my variety is again like being so all over the place mm. again with the mediums can't decide subject matter can't decide what I post on Instagram can't decide let's do a little bit of everything <laughs> and actually um, I have not been very active on Instagram for about two months now I have been oh yes
0: that's, <laughs> that's a good reel that's a good I love one. this reel <laughs> yeah
2: some of them I'm like all okay, right this is really simple it's fine it's okay and then it's huge and then of course the ones I pour my heart and soul into yep. Yep. I've had that total happen. flop so yep. but I I have not been very active on Instagram these past few months which has been very strange for yeah. me like one I feel I feel like I'm letting people down which I don't like and I, I'm sad that I've f- been conditioned to feel that mm-hmm. way about stepping back from yeah. it but i my life has just been like crazy the past few yep. months of course <laughs> like life is always crazy but i ended up starting a new job in boston and i moved and i'm helping my parents move out of my childhood home and it has just been a whirlwind of chaos so when instagram tiktok facebook all have fallen to the wayside
1: this is a silly thing but okay. when you first started you said i don't always paint humans when i do bodies and i just thought aliens oh my god (laughs) so maybe it's because i'm also watching the x-files right now but have you ever done any (laughs) extraterrestrial art
0: (laughs) i don't know where i thought that question was going but
1: (laughs) i mean you said animals and stuff we're gonna talk about those lovelies in a minute but like have you ever done any out of this world paintings no (laughs) i have not (laughs) But you're gonna now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Add it to the list. (laughs) Anyways, let's talk about the work you do make. (laughs) The human form, animals, nature. Why are you drawn to these things? So, human form,
2: I'm not necessarily sure. When I was in high school, the first portrait that I drew outside of school. It was just for fun. It was a graphite portrait. So going back to my love of graphite, it was, I think it was Josh Hutcherson, (laughs) an actor. Oh my gosh. I was like, "Uh, he's cute. I'll draw him. And it came out well. And I was very excited. And I was shocked that, you know, I put pencil to paper and it actually came out looking like Josh Hutcherson, like kind of, he was cross eyed, but that's (laughs) neither here nor there. And I think just being able to Use such a simple like medium and to be able to capture the complexities of people like blew my mind. I remember I brought that to my therapist and I was like, look at what I did. I was so <laughs> so proud of it. And I think that's I could never give up graphite and Do you graphite still have people. It? Yes. Okay. Good. Um.
0: It's somewhere.
2: Yes, I saw it recently because packing up my parents' house. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. <in> there. <laughs> Humans are like just I love to be able to capture them. Animals that started in college more so. I did a lot of like I say barnyard animals, it sounds so child book, but like farm animals, cows, pigs, chickens. And mm-hmm. that was primarily out of, I was taking a painting class, needed a subject was trying to figure out what that could be. At the time, I had just turned vegetarian. So I was like, oh, I'm thinking about animals a lot. Like I just watched Cowspiracy, got cows on the brain. (laughs) I was also at the time uh, dating a guy who grew up on a 600 acre cattle farm. They raised the cattle for beef. So it was a very interesting time in my life. Wow, that is like a
1: crossroads (laughs) right there.
2: So I was around all these animals and I'm like, oh, you're so cute. You're so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, this is really sad. Yeah. So I just started thinking about cows and, you know, pigs, chickens, all the animals that I had been eating. And like full disclosure, I'm not a vegetarian anymore. I'm a flexitarian, but neither here nor there. <laughs> so I was just fixated on appreciating the animals in a different light. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I'll use them as a subject matter. And the first one I did was a large Highland cattle painting. It was, I think, um maybe four feet by four feet something like that mm. which was one of the biggest pieces that I had done in college at, up to that point point. and I started with like a green pasture and a blue sky and a cow in the center <laughs> and you know I was painting it for a couple of days and my teacher was again looking over my shoulder and I'm like don't don't look at me <laughs> but she <laughs> she was giving me this eye and I'm like yeah I know I don't like it either I'll figure it out. And I, I came in to the studio one night and I painted over the whole thing black, just solid black. And I was like, OK, what did I do? This is doing like a week. <laughs> and uh, because it was acrylic, the black dried very quickly. Yep. And I was able to keep going. Yep. <laughs> and I grabbed like a vibrant purple. And I started outlining like mm. where I wanted the cows, kind of doing a gesture. And it was like a big mama cow and then a little calf next to her. And there are these Highland cattle. So they got like that really shaggy hair. And I just kind of very loose with it, which is I, as a painter, am always kind of very uptight with it, like holding my brush very close and Mm. I was like you know I'm gonna step back I'm gonna listen to my painting teacher for the first time step back from the canvas (laughs) you know grab some paint that's not the right color and just go for it and I ended up falling in love with that piece and that just kind of started a domino effect of okay I had to do a couple more to go with it for the painting class and then I just I loved how they were coming out not anything particular about farm animals and like I'm not a like a country girl or anything like that. But I was like, you know what? This this subject matter is working for me. So I kept at it for a while. And it's not really something that I do anymore. Mm. I feel like my art comes and goes in phases. But that painting, that four by four foot painting, ended up being requested by a gallery up in Rock Rockport, Massachusetts. This is when I'm in Virginia, so I had to ship it up here. And it sold very quickly. It was the biggest piece I'd ever done. First piece in a gallery, first big art sale. And it was like, wow, this really triggered like a lot. And I can't believe that, you know, I I started with this green field and then I painted it black in a crisis <laughs> and here I am like, and now I've got a check in my pocket. How did that work? <laughs> it, was, it was a very exciting
1: development. That's
0: such a great story. I love that
1: story. Yeah. Sometimes you need those radical moments of like, this isn't working. Yeah. Rah, yeah. You know, yeah, just destroy. Yep. Yeah. Destroy and conquer.
0: <laughs> How are you defining success as an artist? Like what do you sort of hope happens in your sort of artistic journey?
2: I think that I have a few like a few milestones or different achievements that I would like. Like, you know, it would be really cool to someday do a mural in Richmond, Virginia. Will, like, not doing that mean that I'm not successful? No. But I, th- I just think, like, I have, like, ideas that I have or projects, even if they don't ever see the light of day in, like, a gallery or, like, the public doesn't see them, don't post them. Just creating them myself, I think, like, seeing an idea to fruition, those are the successes that, like, continually happen. And, like, doing stuff like this, like going on a podcast I love that and it's I don't know just like the little things and it's not such like a big picture success anymore I think it used to be like that's how I looked at it and I was Uh like I got to be full-time got to be able to make a living doing this and I was full-time for a really long time that's what I was doing from 2019 up until this summer and I loved it it was great but I got really lonely and there was a lot missing from my life so I've kind of like shifted gears a little bit. So the the fact that being full-time used to be how I would define successful, like I know for a fact that that's not, that's not it for me, at least right. not right now. And I think that my definition of success is going to continue evolving. So maybe in 10 years, I'll be like, okay, full-time again, like I need yeah. to do it. But I think so long as I'm happy and I'm creating, that's success. That's great. I love it. It's beautiful. Yep.
0: I like the acknowledgement that like we can evolve and our definition of success changes and that like you can become a full-time artist and like take a chance doing that and then you can change your mind and you can go back to to not being a full-time artist anytime you want.
2: Yes, I think I was very reluctant to evolve for a really long time and I think for a, a while my story has been my college experience and i've I've been on a podcast before and that kind of dominated the conversation for a good reason it was very shortly after I got out of school mm. but I for the majority of school, was an art education major because I couldn't decide what medium to be in, so I was like, okay, they have to learn everything, so that's great, and then I was in my last semester, ended up withdrawing from school, going back, graduating a semester later with art history as a degree, and... I was like, okay, well, everything's changed. Like, what did I just do? And I was so, like, beating myself up about it. And here I am. I don't even use the art history degree, really. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I do here and there. But I'm definitely not an art historian, like, at a museum or anything. But it is definitely not how i ever saw things going and i'm just so after having that experience where all that change happened i'm just so much more lighthearted and not precious about things anymore because mm. i have i realized that things aren't necessarily going to go as like i see them happening and that's totally fine like it might suck in the moment and there's always room to grow from from that and the evolution is important yes
1: I always feel like we're never done as artists and when you feel like you're done and you've mastered it then you really should go try something out like do a new medium do so. like I feel like that's part of the art is the challenge of getting to where you are and you know it's like there's always a level up yes I love to learn so I'm yeah. always
2: I'm going to be a lifelong
1: learner and I'm here for that I love it. God, everything you're saying, I'm like, I, I know, I think that, I say that. I, we're the same person. <laughs> it's probably time for rapid fire. So rapid fire, as you may have heard because you've listened before. Yes. Quick questions I'm with prepared. quick answers. What other artist has influenced you the most? Okay, I'm listening to the podcast, this question has been the most
2: intimidating because you start rapid fire with one that I want to talk about for 10 minutes. <laughs> so... You know, a specific artist for like my style, I don't think it exists. Maybe like the Baroque period because I love that dark background and like realistic portraiture paintings. But and he's going to like slap me for saying this, but I'm going to say Ryan Kelly because okay, pause for dramatic effect. Uh, he, he like he was introducing me to people a few years ago back in 2019 when I met him and he was like she's an artist and I'm like why are you telling people that and he's like you are and I had never been introducing myself mm. despite doing art going to school for art for years was never introducing myself despite at that point Art was, though I wasn't making enough to consider it a full-time job, it was the only thing I was doing. So I was like, I, I am an artist. And he's <laughs> the one that told me, you need to start telling people that because if you don't tell people that, you aren't going to believe it. And you are. And it, I mean, that changed my life. So I'm going to say that.
1: Ryan Kelly, no shocker, but well done, sir.
0: Wow. Uh, that's lovely. That's really lovely. A much lighter question. What is your favorite time of day to make art? I feel like
2: probably like the middle of the night. And it's not something I do anymore. But when I was like in school, I feel like, I mean, inspiration hits at mm-hmm. 2 a.m. it's so the magic hour. <laughs> it really is. You got golden hour, then you got magic hour, and it's 2 a.m. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Green. What's your favorite scent? Ooh, oh man. I feel like it depends on the time of year. Mm. I'm going to go with like a chai latte kind of smell. Mm. Like a cinnamon, allspice kind of.
1: What's your favorite sound? My dog sleep barks.
2: Oh, it's, it's the cutest little, it's like the littlest. Oh. Ooh. like, ooh. Oh. I, It's, I can't do it justice, but it's amazing. And he doesn't really bark like when he's awake, very rarely, but it's just the softest little thing. He's the biggest dreamer I've
0: ever, ever seen. That's so cute. (laughs) What's your favorite texture to touch?
2: I want to say like velvet, but it's also probably one of my least favorite because I only like it in that one direction. Yeah. Like if, you, if you go against the grain, that's the worst feeling ever. I love that.
1: Uh, what's the most inspiring location you've traveled to? Ooh,
2: okay. Probably Italy, which I think like is probably a very popular, like if you've been to Italy and you're an artist, it's probably going to be yeah. one, of, one of the top places. But uh Yeah. Just leave it at that.
0: What's the last new thing you've learned? I have a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm learning that because having moved and having to move out of my parents' place, I think that I'm a very, well, I don't think that I'm a minimalist, but I'm like, I I don't have that much stuff. I have too much stuff. <laughs> I'm never moving again. I say
1: that every move. <laughs> But I mean it this time. I'm not moving. <laughs> uh, OK, Glenn, your question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I'm going to bring it back to
2: our topic of being open to evolving and say I would tell really Lindsay at any point in my life. Things are not going to go as you think that they are right now, and it's okay. It's just okay. I think we all
1: need to hear that. That's
0: really good advice. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you.
1: It was awesome this talking really to you. Fun. Yeah. Was really great. Thank you so much for delving into all that you do. And I feel like we're kindred spirits yes, uh, in the art I think realm. We are. For sure. Everything I'm like, yep, yeah. me too. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. I will kill acrylic with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I said this also about our last interview because it was also true about our last interview but like time really flew like oh, i feel yeah. like this went by ridiculously fast yeah yep.
2: yeah i know right Yeah, you said rapid fire and i was like did did we talk enough right
0: <laughs> like did
1: we talk about anything you're awesome thank you again thank for you. being on the show yeah, this thank so you
0: great. it was really great but
1: thank you again Lindsay, for being on the show and with that show, show us your creative guts Another huge thank you to Lindsay for joining us on Creative Guts. I mentioned this when we were off air, but you might have picked up on it during the interview. Lindsay and I were totally cut from the same cloth, as they say. I love chatting with another interdisciplinary artist. Her work blows me away, and I really enjoy hearing about how she has grown into the artist she is today and how she plans to keep on growing. Such great stuff. Thank you again, Lindsay, and I can't wait to connect with you again soon.
0: I really, really loved this conversation with Lindsay. I feel like there were some really insightful lessons threaded throughout our conversation, and I'm feeling extra inspired by her and her work. I really hope to talk with Lindsay more and keep watching her evolve as a creative and a person. Lindsay, you are in the Creative Guts family forever now. Go check out Lindsay's work, lindsayhallart.com, and go find her on Instagram where her handle is at art.
1: As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. Come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram or LinkedIn, where our handle is at Creative Guts Podcast. If you want to support
0: the show, consider making a donation to Creative Guts. Our budget is tiny, so donations of any size make a big difference. Learn about us and make a donation, creativegutspodcast.com.
1: Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts.
0: That was the cow that she drew.
1: <laughs> when you mess up, you make animal <laughs> barn noises, and I go blah blah blah, and you, but you go bah blah. You mean like one s- s- syllable. What do you think that says about us as people? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. I don't know. Uh, we should definitely.
0: I am the poor cow that's trapped under the black paint, and
1: I'm an alien that goes blah blah blah. blah, blah. Mer, help me, <laughs> Lindsay, please. <laughs> We've been pushing that all night. <laughs> what other sounds do you have? Oh, nope. You <laughs> we do that sometimes. <laughs> and so now, with your um, stitching, you're doing faces. No, am I? Oh, oh,
0: I'm obsessed with those pieces. I like, know exactly what you're talking like about. These
1: ones? Or, oh, you, or yes. you did these? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> just back it up. That's. <laughs> so now you're doing (laughs) i just don't want it to be like oh you'll never believe what laura
0: said off the air (laughs)
1: listeners
2: when i uh, I am Lindsay Hall. I am. I'm sorry.
1: What? What's up? Oh. Lord, thank <laughs> <laughs> so we do have really cute bloopers at the end, and no doubt this will all be there. <laughs> Great. Um, as long as no one else interrupts, you are good to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> there was more to the question.
2: <laughs> so uh, yes.